unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on this episode, it's a media spotlight edition. My guys, Eric Lopez and Adam Eaton will join me. We talk about the media landscape. Eric and Adam standing by in the virtual green room. They will join us in just a few moments. And of course, uh, now that the college football regular season has concluded and we go into the championship games, the coaching carousel is in full warp speed. And of course, the first domino to fall was Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. So he is not going to the SEC with his Sooner football team and Sooner Nation, so he'll avoid that fight and go to the Pac-12 where he has a good chance to dominate and become still a factor in the college football playoff. Bob Stoops, the former Oklahoma coach, will be the interim, but we'll see what happens where that vacancy is concerned. And then there's a vacancy at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly leaves for LSU for the departed Ed Orgeron. So he replaces Eddie O. What if he can do a Go Tigers? Anyway, Brian Kelly apparently had about a two-minute to four-minute, reports vary, statement to his Fighting Irish football team before turning around, walking out, and not taking any questions from his team. You know, he's this guy is full of douche moves, and, you know, it's been well documented. You know, he he, he left Cincinnati, you know, in a in similar fashion, and, you know, he also, you know, had a, uh, a young staffer video person lose their life with a trying to film from scaffolding in high winds that Brian Kelly, to me, didn't show much empathy or sympathy and, you know, tried to remain stainless in that ordeal. And so his departure, the way he's leaving Notre Dame, the optics of that, not surprising. Not surprising at all. And just remember that LSU when, you know, a bigger job comes knocking because LSU is not the biggest job out there. And Brian Kelly decides to pull up stakes. He'll give you a messy departure, too. And as I record this episode on Wednesday evening, December 1st, before 7 p.m., the Atlanta Braves still have not re-signed Freddie Freeman. Boy, what are you guys thinking? What are you thinking? The collective bargaining agreement set to expire at midnight. Players Association owners met for just a few minutes today and walked away. The lockout will begin at midnight. Oh, I'm hopeful. I don't know how you cannot re-sign the face of your franchise who still is MVP caliber. Reportedly wants six years, $180 million. That's not too much considering all the big money being doled out. Look at the Rangers have spent like a half a billion dollars (laughs) already as they get Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon. The Mets have gotten Max Scherzer. Freddie Freeman in another uniform just does not look or sound right to me. 
so again, I'm hopeful because, you know, one thing that happens when you do podcasts, you are a little bit of slave to the ever-changing news cycle, and it could be that uh, by the time you hear this on Thursday, the signing's been done, everything's okay. But until then, the words I will embark now to the Atlanta Braves are, Pay the man! All right, time for another edition of the Media Spotlights, where I bring in my broadcaster breakdown buddies, Eric Lopez and Adam Eaton. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Glad to have you here. I'll go first, Eric Jeff. It's always a pleasure to be back with you and Eric. Anytime we can talk broadcast, it's always a good time. Broadcast uh, buddies. I don't know. We need a better. I thought we were going to work on a better slogan for that. Yeah, I would normally, I'm normally excited, except I got to stare at Jeff wearing that Atlanta Braves World Series title <laughs> shirt as a Marlins yeah. fan. I mean, really? I got to deal with this? You got to deal with that. Anyway, that's other the price, than that, I'm good. That's the price of admission for, for this week's uh, <laughs> edition of the show. So there you go. All right. So uh, we're going to bat around a few uh, uh, topics. And um, we're actually going to lead off with uh, with one of Adam's uh, that he suggested for the program. Uh, since we are in the in the in the heat of the college football postseason now, um, and basically it's the college football playoff show where they reveal the rankings. Uh, Reese Davis and the top analyst at ESPN, and they break it down, and and then they bring in the committee chair and all that good stuff. Uh, and it's definitely a show that boy, you know, sometimes there's a lot of things you know that that spread around that you kind of want to hold your nose. Uh, other things, you know, but uh, Adam, let me uh, get your leadoff take on the on the presentation of the weekly rankings. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with that show. The first qualm I have with it is you never really know when it's going to be on. The ESPN moves it around to try to buttress their programming. There was one time it was on at 9 p.m. to to go between the the college basketball tip off game. Sometimes it's seven, sometimes it's eight. So you don't really know when it's on, right? So if you, you think about you know this is a big reveal, you want appointment television, and I have to always remind myself, oh it's seven, oh it's eight, oh it's nine. So that's my first beef is I don't ever know what time it's on, and once it gets on, it depends on well, what format it takes. There was one time they were at you know they're halftime of Madison Square Garden. And it looked like that thing kind of moved really quickly. And other times they're in the studio, they have more time. And, and so the, the rhythm and the flow of it's really awkward. Obviously, I think they're trying to go for, well, let me ask you both this question first before I move forward. They claim that nobody but the graphics guy knows the rankings before um, before they pop on the screen. Do either of you think that is true, that that's the first time they're seeing those rankings? Uh, and that was, that was not code for BS. <laughs> you love I, I don't know. I kind of buy them to some degree because sometimes they t- they kind of drag on forever. And I think it's because they literally don't know. Now, I think they have an idea what's coming. I think they have a good idea, but I don't know if they know. For example, I don't think they knew that Michigan was going to be ahead of Michigan State a few weeks ago. I think sure. that caught caught them off guard. But I think they have an idea of who's where. 
So it's, it's that first part. I, I never know what they know, what they don't know. Then the graphics pop up. And again, it's always kind of leading because whatever the whatever the controversy, quote unquote, and let's face it, it's a TV show. They want controversy. That's why they're there. So to Elo's point, the, the night that they did Michigan, Michigan State, I mean, they typically have the top four, but this time they had the bottom two as the bottom three. So you knew something was up right away when you saw three squares on the bottom because you knew they were doing something, right? So it's, it's a contrived TV show. Then they bring in Gary Barda. And I don't understand. I mean... I, I don't that man. I don't know how much they pay him to be in that role, but he is just the the world's pinata at, at that point in time. <laughs> he, he offers zero answers. Poor Reese Davis. I give him credit. He's trying to answer, ask a lot of questions. Only Reese really gets to ask questions. Then Gary Barta gets off the stage. Then they react, and sometimes I find it funny that the reaction in the moment is different than the, the analysis afterwards. So it's just a hodgepodge of stuff. I, I understand what ESPN is going for, right? But I feel like the the way they go about it. It just it just makes the show like every week more and more head scratching because if they did it a better way, uh, a more uh, produced way, I think it would come across better. But each week it feels like it's just more and more of a train wreck. So it seems like to me, you know, they kind of go in. They don't have a they don't have a formula. They don't have a they don't have a template. They're they're just kind of going in and hey, let's try it this way this week. You know, yeah, right. And that's why I don't believe they actually know in advance because. If they knew in advance, they could plan ahead. They could plan better, uh, you know, from a show standpoint of what's to come. So that's kind of why I don't think they actually know. And I think that is part of the problem is I think they kind of get thrown off sometimes a little bit, too. And you mentioned Gary Barta. One of the big issues, and this is not just a football issue. This is most chair people and committees in every sport. They don't know what to, to talk. They don't know how to talk. Like they need what they need to do is hire a PR person to do the talking for them. Like I would like Adam, I would reach out to you and just have hire you to represent. So really, I'm free. You, you tell <laughs> you basically they feed you. Hey, you tell at Reese if they answer, if they ask you about this. This is what you address. And you just pretty much say it seems like they're afraid to talk. But they want to give you something because otherwise Reese will get mad. <laughs> so it's like we got to give you something. But then when they come off, is they I don't even know if they understand what they're saying or if they do. Maybe they're doing it just for show. It's just very bizarre. I don't think they understand how to explain what they're thinking. Yeah, I, I think it all boils down to every week. It seems like they have the rules, right? The uh, the guidelines they're going to follow. And it seems like each week they kind of haphazardly try to then trot out a new guideline. My favorite line of all time is we have a lot of respect for insert team here, right? Each week it's the new team. We have a lot of respect for this team. It's Michigan, Michigan State, Cincinnati. But they never really give you the, the morsels, like you said, Elo, of why that team was left out or that team wasn't left out or what's important or what the deciding factor was. And it just, it just turns into why I'd rather not hear from Gary Barta. I'd rather just not, not, let's just not do that. Right. Then let's just not have anybody on there. If you're not going to tell me, Hey, we didn't like Cincinnati's performance this week. We felt like they came out flat against Tulane and we felt like that was something that, you know, they've got to get better. And so because of that, we moved them to four. Just tell me what it was. I understand they're smoking mirrors and they don't want to give away too much because then they get themselves boxed in, but either give me but something. They get themselves boxed in anyway. They get themselves yeah, boxed fair. in anyway. Cause we'll just go back and say, well, wait a minute. You said this two weeks ago, like the whole Michigan, Michigan state thing. Like he sounded ridiculous saying well outside of the game you know if you look at some of the other just say what you think hey we think michigan's better than michigan state we think that was a fluke and we just rank them there i actually think if they were being more honest and open i still think people would disagree with it but i think that people would at least appreciate it more i think part of the reason why they get scrutinized and nobody buys you know believes in them is because they come off as phonies in a lot of Double ways speak yeah yeah, yeah. 
Totally. You know, and to me, it's almost like they're trying too hard to be like the March Madness selection show. Uh, you know, I think that's a, a thing that they're trying to capture. You know, if they're going to try to do that, then they didn't just need to reduce the number of polls they do because it's it's too many. Um, and, and, you know, and you, you know, they're just trying to drive discussion and conversation on a week to week basis about this. And I also find it very interesting. I don't think it was a coincidence that they, that they took game day to Cincinnati after the first poll yeah. to play both sides against the middle. Well, the other problem is, is ESPN loses objectivity because they're in bed with this whole thing, right? So it, as a viewer, it makes you, oh, it's rigged. They're going here, so that's going to happen. And I think that's the other element of it is it's a contrived TV show, but ESPN obviously drives a lot of that too. So, you know, I, I don't know how you solve that problem, but I mean, I, I think that's also the thing that's always in the back of everyone's head is this is a TV show. ESPN's pulling the strings. This is what they want to do. Um, but one of the things, and, and you guys obviously both covered the group of five teams, I'll put air quotes around that. Do you find the, um, uh, it almost seems like the bias towards the P5 is overwhelming on that particular show. And, and Cincinnati and UCF and previous, it, it feels like the, while there are certain uh, analysts, I think that's stumped for some of the P5 or some of the group of five stuff. It seems like the P5 bias is really heavy on that, on that selection show. I think some of it, but I actually think Cincinnati's gotten a pretty good fair shake. I mean, Kurt Herbstreet's been a big supporter. Joey Galloway has been a supporter uh, I think Pollock's the one that's definitely not like the, you know, it's not going in that direction. And I think it's set up, obviously, well, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be set up for this Sunday, the finale. They're going to be split, right? If Cincinnati's undefeated, half that panel thinks they're in, half that panel thinks no. And I think it, they're going to make a case for either an Oklahoma State team, they'll make a case for somebody. I guarantee you this. If Alabama loses, somebody will make a case for him. Somebody. I don't know who, but somebody will make a case. And they want to build that drama into Sunday. So I don't know if Cincinnati – I actually think Cincinnati uh, this year has gotten a better shake. I think in the past you're right. But I think Cincinnati and that Notre Dame win, plus I think Luke Fickle's done a nice job. I think he's been on that show twice now. He hasn't run away from it. One of the things that disappointed me from a UCF standpoint years ago – we never saw Hypo or Frost or Danny White on those shows, whereas Luke Fickle hasn't run away from it. And I give him credit for it. And I think that's working. Well, he has to go on the show because, according to him, he doesn't know the rankings are anyway. <laughs> he doesn't know what so he doesn't know someone to tell him, Eric. So he's like, oh, well, you guys know. I'll go on because he doesn't he doesn't listen to that stuff. That's the first right. time he's ever heard it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. You know, I find it interesting too, kind of not to get too far off the, the, the subject. But, uh, you know, this last Saturday on College Game Day, Lee Corso talking about Cincinnati was saying he turned heel five. Yeah. He went P five here, G five minor league. And it's like, well, didn't he propose UCF into the playoff? Yeah. (laughs) No, I caught the same thing. I'm like, Whoa, like Herb street had to calm him down. Like where did this hatred come from there? Lee, what did Cincinnati do to you? Like, (laughs) you're right. It was very, like very anatomous. Like he was adamant. No, like he was, he healed. I mean, I, I I was caught off guard by that. I, and I, I don't think anybody told Lee to do that. I think Lee went on his own on that. And uh, that's all I'll say. I'm, I was surprised by that. Yeah. I think Lee does whatever Lee wants on that <laughs> show. I don't, I don't think there's, there's much producing uh, reining him in. I took it as he's such a UCF fan. He didn't want to see a Cincinnati in there. That, Ooh, that could be, that's that a could good be theory. That's theory, interesting, yeah. right? Because that's been a, I mean, I'm sure this will be a topic of yours, Adam, on your show. It's a topic on our show, which is, 
if you're UCF, do you want Cincinnati to get in? Do you, you know, that you've been fighting for the little guy, but now if they get in, do you really want that? Does that hurt? Because that might hurt UCF to some extent, some would say. So you're right. That's an interesting point. Uh, I do wonder if Lee's like, well, if UCF didn't get in, that's an interesting point. I didn't think of that. Adam's good at smoking out those alternate theories. That's for sure. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, conspiracy theories are my bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no question. But yeah, no, it, it did catch me off guard. I was like, I was like, whoa, what's going on with Lee Corso all of a sudden? It caught so, Herb Street off guard for sure. Yeah, no, no question about it. So that, uh, some interesting stuff there. And you know, and Adam and I were talking before you joined joined the uh, the, the call, Eric. And and I, you know, I'm torn on the on the Cincinnati thing because I hate the committee and I want. I, 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 I want Cincinnati in to, to spoil their party, but at the same time, I don't want Cincinnati getting what UCF should have had. You know, that's kind of the way I feel. So, uh, Well, I look at it this way. If Cincinnati gets in, they get to the uh, playoff. That's more money for the American this year, which means more money for UCF. And I actually think if you have a strong UCF, a strong Cincinnati, and a strong Houston going to the Big 12, I think that's a good thing for all parties to – get yourself in the mix for the playoffs starting in 2023 when you're a member of the Big 12. So I, I don't buy, I know some would say, well, Cincinnati's going to get all the glory. Yes, I think that that's going to be annoying from a UCF perspective. I understand that perspective. But in the big picture, uh, if you those programs are stronger and you make more money, that's a good thing. Yeah, I guess. And this is just my UCF glasses on, right? UCF crawled so Cincinnati could walk is kind of the way I think about it. And that's for me, you know, as long as we continue to acknowledge that, you know, the UCF and, and the Boise States of the world previous to that paved the groundwork for a Cincinnati team to get there. I'm fine with that. But it doesn't really help UCF, in my opinion. Right. I mean, to your point, Eric. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a, a feather in the cap of the group of five. It's money in the coffers, which is money. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Needs. Yeah. But going to the Big 12 with Cincinnati, I mean, they're going to continue to be our rival. Um, we're going to be recruiting again. Against them now they're gonna be like well we got to the playoff nobody else did so i i mean i, I guess from that perspective I'll, I'll take the money but i'm gonna be by i want ucf to be that team we should have been that team three years ago um so i'm gonna i'm gonna stay to that but as long as there's at least some recognition that you know you know ucf you know crawled so that cincinnati could walk that's i guess where where i'm at with it yeah think about the contrast in, in the american for their championship game you know they have they have two Undefeated teams in conference playing for the title, but then it's got to burn Mike Oresco oh, yeah. in the backside that the top three teams of the conference are the ones that are leaving. <laughs> I asked I asked this on our show this week. Is he just going to leave the trophy in the parking lot and drive away? <laughs> I mean, is he going to go on the field and hand that thing out? I mean, I can't. Is he going to call out sick the day before with a, with a sniffle? I, I can't imagine he's excited about that. Yeah, it's probably as awkward as when uh, Pete, uh, Roger Goodell gave the trophy to like Bob Kraft and the Patriots after Spygate. That's probably what it'll be kind of the equivalent there. I guess, yeah, your, your trophy's in the parking lot. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, yeah. Roscoe just peels out. Yeah, we might see some good meme potential uh, with that for presentation for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, switch over to the NBA. And I know in our last uh, gathering, uh, we were speaking about, okay, on TNT, who would be? The heir apparent to Marv Albert and, you know, a lot of the conversation was around Brian Anderson, Ian Eagle. Uh, so based on early returns, you, know, you guys watch more NBA than I do. Uh, is there a lead dog on TNT's coverage? No, I don't. I think and I think we said this too, Adam, right, that I we kind of thought they may not announce it before the season. They might wait till during the season to announce it, if at all. Um, they've kind of spread them out pretty evenly. Uh, Harlan and Miller and Ian Eagle and Brian Anderson sharing Stan Van Gundy. I, I think they are kind of saying they're take they're kind of splitting it. 
I think they have to make some sort of a de- declaration by the All-Star break because they own, they will carry the All-Star game. So we might get some clues there. But a part of me also wonders if they're just going to rotate them. I don't, like I said, in their defense, Harlan, Eagle, and Brian Anderson, to some extent, they're strong voices. I mean, that's a good one, two, three punch. I think it's actually, I like it better than ESPN one, two, three. I think Mike brings the best, but I think if you include top threes, I would take TNT as a whole. So I don't know if they're necessary. And I don't know if they really have decided. I think they're kind of seeing how everything goes and it, it kind of plays itself out, but uh, they're kind of going by committee. Yeah, I think it's been a good approach, to be honest with you. I think, you know, for both Harlan and I and Eagle, when I hear their voices, I, I know a good game is on. It it it, it kind of resonates NBA for me. So to Eric's point, I don't have a reaction either way. When I turn the TV on, I'm like, oh, it's Kevin Harlan. Or oh, it's, I don't have a reaction, right? I'm not like, oh, I can't believe it's this person. So I think that bodes well for TNT because I, I don't, outside of, you know, us three nerds talking about it, right? You don't hear a lot of commentary about who's the number one team in TNT, which probably means that people are relatively satisfied with what they're seeing. Now, to be fair, NBA gets a little less scrutiny than like the NFL broadcast teams do. Right. But I still think that either one you turn on, you get a good broadcast. Um, I think Harlan brings a little bit more excitement to it. Right. With his, you know, larger than life and all that stuff. I think Ian, I and Eagles a little bit more smooth, a little bit more self-deprecating. And I think both those styles contrast. So I haven't really noticed to be fair. It'll take me a minute to think, Oh, it's a Harlan's on this game. Oh, okay. Like I haven't had a reaction yet as I'm watching a game as to who's calling it. And either way, I haven't been like, Oh, I can't believe we got eye and eagle tonight either way i think it's been a good broadcast yeah and and i love having stan van gundy back in the fold too the, that's uh, been huge that's been huge because to me whatever they decide here's what i will say i think what they'll do for the conference final stan van gundy one way or the other will be a part of that conference final now they may decide the, the interesting part is do they pair him up with a grand hill do they pair him up with reggie miller I would be surprised if Stan wasn't a part of the conference final. I do think he's the best analyst they have. You know, Ian Eagle, I mean, Ian Eagle, Brian Anderson all have a lot of things going on. So does Kevin Harlan. They all, you know, Harlan and Eagle Curly have a lot of football things going on with CBS and on Westwood One Radio, especially with Kevin Harlan. I think he's the Monday night voice, I want to say, yes. on the radio side. And then Brian Anderson still does Brewer games. He's the voice for baseball for TBS and that's significant because starting next season if there is a baseball season where <laughs> fingers crossed uh Mr. Allen although you're your world champions so you may not want to you may not want another season you might just <laughs> you want to hold the extra title. season yeah that'd be great right <laughs> uh but there, if there is a baseball season TBS will uh, I think have the Tuesday night package so he's gonna be heavily involved in that so um it's a good problem to have I still think it'll be Eagle or Harlan, and I wouldn't be surprised if they rotate them year in and year out as far as the conference final, where maybe one of them gets assigned the West one year, the other one gets assigned the East. We'll see. Yeah, you know, that's probably, to your point, Eric, that's probably the best upgrade, unfortunately, is, is Chris Weber uh, traded out for Stan Van Gundy. I think that that swap yes. probably helps, and no disrespect to Weber. Uh, I mean, he, he was he was okay, but I think Stan does a much better job at that. Yeah, and uh, to your point, Eric, too, uh, I saw that Brian Anderson has reduced his Brewer schedule which will 50 uh, games, it, right? 50 yeah. games. Yeah. So, uh, so he's definitely doing the Tuesday night games for sure. And don't forget March Madness comes up. I think all three of them are involved in March Madness, right? So yes. Yes. Good call. Good call. That's Just a great point. How that gets rotated around. Who's got the big college games. Who's doing the NBA games. Is there a fill in to somebody else kind of get a shot while those well, three are out? Well, and that's a great point. Does like, for example, does Stan Van Gundy now become part of the mix for the NCAA sure. tournament? Because remember Weber used to do some NCAA tournament games. So does Van Gundy fill that role? Uh, that's a great point 
you got guys here who could bo- all do college basketball, whereas Marv kind of stepped away the last few years from doing that. Uh, but that might give, maybe that'll give us some clues too. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, entertaining possibilities uh, where that is concerned. ESPN's coverage of the NBA, and of course, uh, the, to me, the intriguing storyline is: is uh, okay, they've decided, you know, that the, you know we don't have uh, Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols. Let's give them more greeny. That's just what we wanted, right? Oh, good gracious. So it's Greenberg, and they're basically trotting out the old, uh, you know, a re, uh, they're replaying a hit that failed for them before with uh, with Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon and sometimes Magic Johnson. Uh, this this They just seem to be so infatuated with trying to find a way to compete with TNT's pregame show. And I think each swing they take, they fall further behind. Yeah, I think two things with that lineup you mentioned. I think it's it's either one or two things for me. One, they want to try out the biggest names they got, right? So maybe they don't have the personality. So who can we get out there that are marquee names? And, you know, Greenberg, Stephen Ayer, those guys, right? But B, those are, are I think, reportedly, uh, the two guys making the most money at ESPN, right? So let's roll them out. Let's really make them fulfill their contract. Greenberg, to me, is just a terrible fit in that role. I mean, I think, I really think he he peaked as a morning show host. I think that was kind of his, his lane. He's too much like he's trying to traffic cop that right and and i get that you gotta, you gotta hit the brakes you gotta make sure you get the sponsors in but it doesn't feel like a natural conversation it feels like he's just waiting for someone to stop talking so he can interject with his and coming up after this it doesn't feel like he wants to be a part of the conversation and i think that's the difference between which c and tnt that just feels like four guys sitting at a table talking about basketball and every now and again someone throws it to break where it seems like greeny is too much trying to do the traffic cop thing trying to corral Stephen a smith which god love you for trying that it just doesn't work for me i think Greeny's a terrible fit on that i think he's he's good in a studio role and, and get up i think he was a better radio host though uh he just does not fit in that role for me but who would you have picked then who would you pick because i think that's exactly why they picked him i think they want a yeah. traffic cop you know we can blame the on-air people but at some point i think it's a bigger it's bigger than that i think it's the production it's the way the show is formatted i mean i've seen every show i kid you not i feel like every time they're on the first topic right off the bat what's wrong with the lakers what's wrong with <laughs> like the lakers lead so I think that's their their gimmick. I think they're kind of that they're going that first take morning show kind of route. And I don't like I, I hear what you're saying, but I think I think that's what they want Greenberg there for. I think they don't want any drama as far as the host. I think they want a traffic cop who just sets up all the other guys who are gonna dominate the conversation anyway. And I don't like who would you have picked? Yeah, that's a good question off the top of my head. I mean, I I think Elle Duncan would have been interesting. I think she brings some personality. I think she would have been somebody that could have at least mixed it up a little bit with Stephen A. Smith and had some back and forth. Greeny wants no part of any sort of back and forth, right? I think I think Elle Duncan would have been somebody I would have looked at heavily. I think she's a good, good personality. She's smart. She's witty. I think she would have been a good, interesting kind of firecracker mix to that equation. I just yeah. don't know if that role will allow it under that format, under that show. I mean, Turner has a completely different format where it's more free-flowing, whereas I don't think this ESPN will ever have that free-flowing. Definitely not when they're on ABC and when we've seen that with the postseason. I think they just want a guy who can hit and and control a three-minute segment and just, all right, what do you think? What do you think? All right, we're out. Boom. And, you know, that's, I think, part of it. I still think there's too many people on that set. Uh, I'm not a Jalen Rose fan on that set. Uh, Stephen A is their big name, so they're trying to get the spark there, but I kind of agree. It's a forced show, and the reality is they're never going to be inside the NBA, period. They're not, and that's just the end of it. Yeah, and and when did uh, Greenberg start even introducing himself? I'm Greeny. 
Have you noticed I that? I think he did that at the when he went to his new radio show because his radio show is now just called Greeny. Yeah. So I think he must have picked that up then. Perhaps. By the way, I got to give Adam credit. The last time he's because uh, Max, we talked about Max Kellerman getting that two o'clock show, the uh, the show that's called This Just In, mm. and and you compare. You said basically that's Get Up. If you miss Get Up in the morning, you can just watch Max host it. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It's literally the same concept, the same show, the same, same concept. Yes, the same yeah. people. Like, good lord. Like they just love that concept. It's um, it's kind of interesting. So that just proves my point, though. They're not reinventing the wheel here. Yeah. Well, I saw they tweeted out. I saw Greenberg tweeted out um, some of that graphic today. I don't have it off the top of my head, but essentially, Get Up and uh, First Take had the highest ratings that they've had over the last whatever number of months or something like that, too. So ESPN, ESPN PR is already out there kind of saying, and that's probably not by accident because Max got kicked off a of First Take. So they want to make sure everybody knows it's okay. But clearly, that format is something that works for them, whether, whether we like it or not, somebody's watching it. Yeah, or, <laughs> well, but as far as the pregame show is, I think they should just their their NBA broadcast should just be straight to the game, just just dispense of it of it all. No, right no league, game. no league ever does that though. Like yeah. somebody has to do a pre. Now, what I would suggest, what they you know they'll never do it. Why not just have Jeff and Gundy and Mark Jackson handle the pregame with? And it doesn't have to be Mike Breen. You could bring in. Whoever you could bring in the sideline reporter, at least, you know, to host it or, you know, a Cassidy Hubbard, who I like a lot, actually, who's hosting a lot of their streaming shows and stuff like that. I actually rather because that's the thing. I actually rather hear from Van Gundy than some of the guys on the set. The, the counter argument is, well, you're going to get Jeff Van Gundy's uh, opinions during the actual game. So I guess that would be the negative there. But because uh, I think those three guys, I enjoy those three guys. And I rather I care more about what they think than what the actual pregame guys say. Well, that, and that's the thing. I think Eric's got a great point. If you can't, you know, you're not going to out um, Turner Turner on this one, right? So you might as well do something completely different. You're never going to beat them with their own game. So try something new. For me, I, I would just prefer basketball voices that I know are basketball voices, right? Maybe I'm a homer when I say this name. Give me a George Sedano. I know he loves hoops. I know he understands the game. I know he's going to talk about it correctly. I like David Jacoby. I know he's got Jalen Rose on the show. He's another guy that's really good at hoops. Give me people who I know are credible, who watch games, who actually kind of understand things. I don't know how much Mike will, I feel like Mike Wilbon is, is box score, Mike, right? He, he looks at the box scores, sees the highlights and that's it. I don't know. I don't know how much Stephen A. Smith is watching hoops. He's going to boxing. Now he's an MMA professional. He's a boxing analyst. Now, you know, he's a football guy. How much is he watching it? I'd rather have some guys that I know are sitting down watching hoops. Cause that is different. I don't also don't think by the way that Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley are watching a lot of basketball, but they, they play it off well because they're entertaining where I don't find greeny. I don't find Wilbon. I don't, find Stephen A. entertaining. So give me the antithesis of that to your point, Eric. Give me hoops guys. Give me guys who I know are credible in that in that realm. And I'm probably more apt to watch that because I might learn something from that versus be entertained. I think Sedano's a good choice. The problem is they have him doing like a hundred things. Yeah. Like he's hosting exactly. a show in LA. He's hosting an MMA show on ESPN Plus. He's doing NFL on the radio yeah, yeah, yep, for ESPN. Yeah. He's doing he's like the Swift, he's like that Swift knife a knife. You know, like they just kind of they don't want him to do one thing. They want him to do like 800 things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, then, you know, and uh, what was, I think it was on the last show, uh, you know, we had talked about, you know, Paul Pierce and his departure, and he had talked about ESPN being all LeBron all the time. And of course, Eric, you mentioned, you know, what's wrong with the Lakers? And a couple of Sundays ago, when uh, LeBron got into his little uh, 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 tiff with Isaiah Stewart, 
um, you know, I, I, I had that on my side TV screen uh, next to the NFL. And of course, you know, the big box in the left hand corner, they put you have a picture of LeBron, LeBron ejected. And then sport and they were in sports center at the time. And then they just kept showing the loop over and over and over again. And it's like, okay, it's newsworthy because it's a fight in NBA game, but breaking news. I don't know. They like using that. By the way, I won't give them credit for this. They hired JJ Reddick, who I like a lot. I like him. Yes. Host of as a podcast. He's going to be great analysis. This is the other thing. If you, the, the two guys that actually they should put in the pregame, they'll never do it. I mean, JJ, I think, should be one. But Tim Legler, how many times? I mean, the guy is fantastic. Van Pelt's the big winner in all this because you actually get the really that Van Pelt Tim Legler segment on Sports Center after playoff games and finals is among the best segments for basketball you'll see anywhere. And I would put it up even with inside the NBA because Legler is great with that. But because he's too much of a basketball guy, I don't think they're looking for that. But I think he's actually their best guy and that he should be on their pregame. But for whatever reason, they don't. Yeah, that's what, they don't have an X's and O's guy on that on that show, right? Like, and maybe we're just inside basketball guys, and we want to see. I want to see why the person was open. I, Legler does a great job of of showing his his cutaways. He's kind of like the Dan Orlovsky, if you will, of the of the NBA side. I'd love to see someone do that. I know Kenny Smith does Kenny's pictures, and while that's not, but Kenny's good. Yeah. Kenny's good though because he 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 knows how to talk to the audience about X's and O's, but it's not like over your head. Correct. And it really yeah. makes you think. And then Barkley can react to it. Shaq can react. That's what makes it go. They don't have that on ESPN exactly. right now. It's all nope. just a lot of loud mouth. Yeah. yeah no point. one's going to the screen and showing us why the pick and roll got open or, you know, how, how this guy got free for a backdoor lob. No one's showing us that. They're just talking about, and the Lakers, is LeBron okay? Stephen A. Smith, your thoughts. And that's really what you get through the entire banter, where at least TNT, again, I'm not saying Kenny Smith is some sort of, you know, basketball savant wizard or something, but at least he goes to the board and tries to break down why something happened. And ESPN doesn't even bother. And and two point Eric, you may be absolutely right. Maybe the ESPN just said, that's not our lane. We're never going to win that argument. We're not going to bring a rock to a knife fight. Let's just go over here and do what we do. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it's a talk. It's a talk show. It's what it is. It's the talk show. It's first take, get up combined on a pregame show. I think that's what they're going to shoot for. They're going to yeah. go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's turn over to the NHL. Now, I don't I don't know how much hockey you guys watch, and I will admit I don't watch a lot during the regular season. I do love to watch quite a bit during the, during the Stanley Cup playoffs. But uh, obviously, big move with the NHL leaving NBC uh, to go back to ESPN, and now TNT is in the mix. Um, first thought, you know, just the fact that ESPN has that iconic hockey music back on the air again is, is, is outstanding. Yeah, you know, as you know, it's hockey and and. and you know, NBC's actually was pretty good too, but uh, I think I think the ESPN NHL theme is probably the uh, probably the standard bearer uh, where where that goes. And uh, of course, you, you know, Sean McDonough back as one of the lead voices. Steve Levy, he's do, he did some studio uh, recently uh, for that. Uh, how much have, have you guys uh, looked into that uh, out of curiosity's sake, or uh, or because you wanted to see some good old fashioned hockey? Yeah, I'm not, not a traditional hockey guy per se. I will say this. 
TNT has sucked me in a few times because they've brought in Charles Barkley. They've brought in some other voices. They've tried some things. And admittedly, as somebody who's not a hockey watcher, that has caused me to either stop on the channel or I see someone mention it on Twitter and I go, oh, that's on. I didn't know. And I, sw- I switched to that channel. I haven't yet done that for ESPN. So I've seen ESPN shows just because it's on after SportsCenter or something. I've left it on the TV. But TNT a few times has made me actually go seek them out because I've seen on Twitter or I saw a clip of something that happened. And I want to go tune in and figure out what that was about. So I will say, at least from that standpoint, TNT's done a great job of at least trying to maybe get some headlines, get some juice going, where I think, to your point on, on the earlier part, Eric, ESPN's doing more traditional, you know, NHL show, here's what it is, and, and TNT's sticking true to form with hijinks. But TNT's got me a few times finding that, that show because I saw something trending on Twitter and, and want to see what it was. I have been the opposite in that I've watched a lot of the ESPN stuff and not as much as TNT because TNT, a lot of their games early on are late games, West Coast games, uh, things like that. And I'm usually watching the NBA. I don't watch the the NHL regular season as much. I'm more of a jump in on the bandwagon of the playoff guy. However, I love this new deal because I am a Florida Panthers fan. And prior to this deal, I could never watch the Panthers locally unless they were playing the Lightning because it was always blacked out. But now under this new deal, I can watch the Panthers every game on ESPN Plus, either with their broadcast or if it's an exclusive ESPN broadcast. So from that standpoint, I like the that aspect that I can watch the Panthers now whenever I feel like it. And I like what they're doing with the streaming side. You know, Steve Levy, you mentioned, is, done, is the studio host, but he actually did uh, the Seattle Kraken's home opener a few weeks ago on a Saturday before he did the Monday night football game on ESPN Plus exclusive. And it was fantastic. I think he's a great play-by-play guy. I thought he was going to be the voice of ESPN. They went with McDonough. I'm still warming up to that. I watched the Black Friday game, I believe, which was the Boston Bruins and the Rangers, I want to say. And he actually sounded better. Him and Ray Ferraro are starting to develop some chemistry there. Uh, Butcher Gross has been good. Uh, he's been better than he was in the Frozen Force. So I don't know if he worked on the offseason or with reps or what. Uh, to your point, what I, I like the ESPN because it feels big. And this is the thing. And even TNT, the fact there's multiple options to watch this sport, I think, is a big positive. Before, it was just NBC, and you had to find the channel, and it's whatever. Now, you could either watch it on ESPN or you'll have coverage on Turner. I think that's a big plus, and it just feels bigger. So I'm more curious now in the league than I would have been before. And you could tell by the ESPN coverage, there's more NHL news on the bottom line. There's more hockey. You could just sense it. Oh, well, um, it didn't exist when they didn't have the contract. <laughs> right. But I think they got to, and I think Adam made a great word. They have great hockey people from a play-by-play standpoint uh, with McDonough, Levy, and Melrose. That's good. I'm still kind of the jury's out on NBC. I know it's kind of like Kenny Albert and, and Ocek is kind of the bringing them in from NBC. Uh, they're fine. Uh, you know, Darren Pang, I like. I like oh, the I'm studio. Glad. Darren, Darren Pang's Pang's awesome. Yeah, Pang's I like it. Very good. The studio for Turner is interesting because Wayne Gretzky supposedly is the star, but he's hardly ever there. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's kind of like a, a, a cast of thousands there. And you're right. I think they're tr- my only concern there, Adam, is. I don't like when everybody tries to copy inside the NBA. We see this with the Fox pregame in baseball. Everybody's trying to be inside the NBA. Oh, let's be the goof off guys and all that. And I don't, sometimes I, I think that's a bit much. I'm not saying I'm against it because to your point, I think the uh, Turner's trying to get the casual fan to tune in. But I think if you do too much of that, it's like, oh, you're just ripping off inside the NBA. 
Well, that and is it sustainable? Can you keep that up right. for the entire regular season? It's it's cool for the first month or two to have you know Barkley come by and Shaq come in and break somebody over his knee, and that's that's cool. It'll get it'll get eyeballs. But can you keep that up into the doldrums of the of the season? I think that's where they have to be sustainable. What are your thoughts on Gretzky? Have you have you caught much of him? Either one of you caught much of it? Yes. Yeah, I haven't. I have. Here's the problem they're going to have. He's not an outgoing personality, right? Like even that episode where Barkley's in there and they're trying to be funny. You could tell Gretzky's not comfortable in that, right? You can just tell he's just – and that's – whereas Messier and Chelios on ESPN, I think Messier, they're willing to talk, and and I think they'll they'll say their piece. I do question that, and I think what Turner's trying to do is they're trying to hide that with having the other guys, the Rick Tockets of the world, to be more outlandish uh, from that standpoint. So it's a wait and see – I, I'm a little skeptical. I know that was like a big bidding war who gets oh, yeah, Gretzky. Yeah, yeah. But I actually think ESPN was fine. Ended up, I think both sides ended up just fine on that. I also like the fact, and I know some hockey fans don't like this. I like the fact this schedule is backloaded. Some people are mad because a lot of their games right now are streamed and the national games are not until the second half of the year. I actually think that's smart. Let's be real. Who's watching hockey regular season games in November and December? So why, why are you going to front load that? backhand that go backwards when people are starting to tune in which is after football season in february and i think Turner has learned that with the nba this year was going to the tuesday night games and not try to force feed thursday going up against football yeah no most definitely and uh and uh of course i thought i think the other nice move that uh that turner made uh liam McHugh is an outstanding studio host and uh uh you know we saw that he did Great work with the NHL, and he did some good stuff with uh, NBC on Football Night in America too. So uh, that was a solid move on their part to get a good, uh, good, solid studio host and and one that is you know synonymous with hockey at least. So that's that's good good on them for that. And um, he's versatile too, right? I, you can yeah. probably see him pop up for other events that TNT has. I think he's there's no question there. He's yeah, shown his right. versatility. So he's he could be a player that shows up when you know maybe Ernie's doing uh, you know uh, college basketball. Maybe he stops in, steps in and does the NBA show or something. Right? I think he's got that versatility that, that they can definitely leverage. The biggest thing that Turner and ESPN now is the key is can they create the star? Can they get you to watch a certain star? Yeah. Uh, Connor McDavid, uh, Steven Stamkos. Can they get the casual person to tune in? That's going to be the interesting thing that I'll follow. How do they approach that as the season goes on? Do they push the certain stars like basketball does? Do they try to focus more on the team aspect and matchups. I'll be very curious to see how the two networks handle that uh, as they get full, you know, get going in the second half of the season here once football moves on. All right. Last time we were together, it was before uh, the debut of the Banning Brothers with the alternate Monday Night Football broadcast. And uh, I know you guys had some inter- interesting thoughts uh, on what to expect. Uh, but now that you've uh, seen it and uh, experienced it, uh, what are your thoughts on the alternate uh ESPN2 version with uh, Eli and Peyton. I like it. The only thing I don't like is at times, and I think the most recent episode they did, they have a delay when they have the guest on. And so they're kind of jumping on each other because of the delay. And I don't know why that, if that was just a one-off or what. Otherwise, I like the show. I think it's actually a little bit overbooked. And I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to book a guest a quarter. Uh, and I get that. Look, and some of it's been tremendous. Like the one where they had Tom Brady on for a full quarter with the Mannings was phenomenal television. Phenomenal television. Uh, and they've had other great guests too. But I think sometimes I, I actually like hearing them break down the game. Like I, you could tell Peyton gets literally 
into it. Like he gets mad when the crowd is loud. He's like, quiet down. And I think Eli has shown his personality kind of playing off, making fun of Peyton. I give Peyton credit for allowing himself to kind of be made fun of. I think it's a great show. It turns out I think they did the right thing not having a host, per se. I think just let them, those two, run. The only thing I would nitpick, I don't think they need a guest a quarter. And and they kind of try to do a little bit of everything. Like they had Condoleezza Rice sometimes and things like that. And I, as a viewer, I pick and choose. And I think the game sometimes tells me where I'm going. If the game's a bore, I'm going to tune into the Mannings more. But if they have a guest that I'm not particularly interested in, I might just focus on the traditional. So I kind of go back and forth. But overall, it's a big plus. It's a big win, I think, overall. Yeah, I'm all in on the Manning cast unless my team is playing. So the Cowboys had a Monday night game. I, I couldn't I couldn't watch it then. I needed to see the game. I had to understand it better. Same so here. for every other game that's on, I'm all in on the Manning cast. I agree with Eric. I think they need a little bit more production. Um, and I think the delay is a big part of it. And the same thing with the guest part. I think they're talking over each other. The last show, I think they had Kevin Hart on in the second quarter. And it was really hard. I mean, he's a funny guy. Don't get me wrong. But it was hard to get the jokes in. They were stepping on each other. Eli was trying to make a joke. Peyton's then trying to look at, you know, the corner blitz and, and show that out. I think sometimes it gets a little bit, there's a lot going on there. I, I, they need to figure out a way to lean that up. Maybe it's, you know, uh, they preserve a quarter where they have no guest or they kind of warm into it in the first quarter because it gets a little bit much. Um, I didn't, but I, I, I've enjoyed, you've seen their personalities come out and I've really enjoyed the fact that they've brought out personalities in other folks. You saw Phil Mickelson breaking down, breaking down football. I mean, wh- who would have thought you saw that as much as he can be a bit of a diva at times you saw lebron actually doing some some football breakdowns but then they get the x's and o's guys you get the guys in there like tom brady i thought russell wilson was great he stayed for like a whole quarter and in overtime drew Brees was really good when he was on there parcells? So I think there are some elements parcells i would have liked to see more parcells that was one that was the same show eric's talking about where the delay was there and i would have loved to hear more parcells nuggets but they kept stepping over each other they've got to figure out a rhythm and i know it's tough uh, particularly when we do a show remote so uh, all of us do our podcast a lot of us do it remote you kind of get into a rhythm, right? Eric gets a question. I get a question. Eric gets a question. I get a question. It seems like Peyton and Eli haven't figured that out yet after all these shows on who's going to ask what question next, because you would think you can naturally just come up with a rhythm, but they seem to struggle with that at times. Yeah. Like they could have a, a producer, you know, hit a red light to the guy who's supposed to have the next question or something, you know, maybe, maybe something that would kind of break. Just, just work it out. They're brothers figured, Hey, you, you, your <laughs> turn, then my turn. I understand that they, they basically had ESPN over their knee and could have gotten whatever they wanted. So I understand the travel element. was one of the things they did not want to do about going in a traditional booth, but I'd love a show where they're together in the same room. I think that, I think that would be the ultimate. I think way. that would make it better. That's the one but, thing that surprises me that they're yeah. not in the same room. And I think that hurts the show a little bit because now you've got one living in one place. You got the other one in one other place. Then you got a guest in another place. I think that's where you're going to create delays yeah. sometimes from a technical standpoint. But look, overall, it's a big plus because if you're ESPN, that's more eyeballs on the product. And I think it's smart. I always thought it was dumb to have counter programming to your own content. Like if you got football now, this week was different. You have obviously the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So you want to carry, you have your obligations to carry basketball. But on a normal deal Sunday, why not have the Mannings on? And I expect them, I don't know if there's been any announcement about this or not, but ABC, I mean, they're going to carry the playoff game on the, the wild, I think it's the wild card game on Monday nights. The Manning cast has to be a part of that, right? Like they're going to include that, I hope, in the future having them as part of that playoff package. Really, the next, the, the best question to ask next is, 
what's the next sport to do this and who are the next two people to do this? Cause it's going to get, it's going to get copycat, right? You're going to see somebody else try this on another network, another sport. So what's the next sport that tries this and who are the next two or three people that, that do this? But what a disadvantage though, because I mean, you're talking about two guys who have a lifetime of chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. I mean, that, would you, would you either of you two watch a Van Gundy's cast? That could be interesting. Now they can't and, obviously because there's competition, right? Contracts. But if the Van Gundy's cast happened, I'd watch that every day. And I think that's the key, right? It's got to be the right people. Not, you know, I think NBA is actually doing this on their league pass. They have a channel on the league pass where they have, uh, I think, uh, former players doing this. But again, it's like not big name players. So like whatever. Um, I think the Van Gundy idea with basketball would be interesting. I know baseball's tried some of this on MLB Network to some extent. Uh, it, it, I don't know if that works. I'll tell you what, Phil Mickelson, I think that's his future in golf. I could see Phil Mickelson having his own alternate broadcast for a sure. golf deal. I think he's definitely he's definitely going to be a star in TV after he's done playing in golf. It's just how does he want to do it? Does he want to do it the traditional way or does he want to do it kind of way and take a page out of the Mannings and do it from the golf? I think golf could work from that standpoint with a Phil Mickelson type uh, but you're got, right. Yeah. If he got Tiger to go with him, oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, I mean, that would break. That would absolutely break ratings every week. Yeah, yeah that would, that's the key. But it's got to be the right people. You can't just yeah. have generic people there. I think it's got to be the right people that click. And I think the Mannings deserve credit for that. That they click. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a huge part of it. That's for sure. So. Uh, Obviously, since you guys are in the uh, space that covers uh, UCF athletics, uh, you know, obviously we had big news uh, this week with uh, Dylan Gabriel going into the transfer portal and not a huge surprise, I think, by the time this all all took place. But uh, certainly there's been a lot of conversation about uh, Dylan Gabriel's presence with the team this season and what this all means. Uh, Wanted to get your guys uh, thoughts on that. Uh, Eric, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing in, in, in ways from the standpoint of this is the new world of college athletics. With the transfer portal, it's a year-to-year sport now. Uh, you can't assume that a guy's going to stick around two, three, four years, especially when there's coaching changes and things like that. And I think in the Dillon's thing, uh, yeah, it's a little disappointing the way it finished. Uh, I don't think anybody was surprised that followed this closely. I think the disappointing thing to me, and look, he can do what he wants. It might be the right move for him. He'd probably be successful wherever he ends up. My issue is he announces it Saturday, early Saturday, hours after the football team had just beaten South Florida. And meanwhile, and I know some people kind of poo-poo this, but he announced it during men's basketball playing Oklahoma, which is a marquee game for the men's basketball program as a fellow student athlete, forget the fans and the media, but as a student athlete, there's a respect in that campus from an athlete to an athlete that I think he didn't show there. Uh, So that part, all of that was disappointing. And unfortunately I think his legacy is not going to be real positive uh, from a UCF standpoint. Yeah, to that part, Eric, I was at that basketball game and I'm sitting in my seats and my phone starts buzzing and I'm like, oh, what is this? And I pull in its text message. Hey, Dylan Gabriel. And I, I got distracted. I got distracted for a good period of time reading his thing, seeing what's going on. Uh, some other folks were at the game and the Trace was there. Trace Trucker was there. So he sends me a text. So we're texting back and forth. And I found a good five, 10 minute stretch where I, I have no idea what happened on the court because I was too busy in my phone. So that was disheartening. Uh, but to, to Eric's point, zero, zero percent surprise. I mean, I think you saw the breadcrumbs of this the entire 
entire season. Really, uh, you know, the Our Time show, which has been fantastic, tipped you off the, the day before when they basically said, Dylan's healthy. It's really on him if he wants to play. And then when he doesn't come out in his jersey, I mean, he had the, the Scott Frost moment, which I'm calling it now. He has the, the Scott Frost checkered shirt jersey moment, which is he's putting his jersey on the tunnel to run out to, to do the coin toss. And that, that'll end up being his checkered, you know, shirt moment. But I think for me, the, the thing that's interesting is um, – this is this is a new territory to Eric's point for college athletics. We're used to this with our professional athletes. We're used to them coming and going. We're used to them hawking their product and us buying it and buying their jerseys and they go to the new team. But I think there was always for a lot of fans a, you know, uh, I guess, uh, an innocence about college sports. And now we're seeing the fruits of what the difference is. And we're finally now, and I think a lot of people were mad, be, not because of the way he left, but because of the, the NIL stuff, DG, the brand. And I think we expect this out of our professional athletes. This was the first time we've been, quote unquote, burned by a college athlete. And I think a lot of people, uh, this has been surprising to them. I think it's going to be an adjustment period. I think Dylan is probably one of the first in the nation to kind of go through that. But 0% surprised. Um, you know, I guess my overall message would be if, if the guy doesn't want to be here, then he shouldn't be here. And it, it clearly seemed like for whatever the reasons are, he didn't want to be here. So I think it's probably better for him and UCF that he goes and, and finds a spot that he's better with. Um, tip your hat to Mikey Keene, by the way, through all this. I think we forget about that element of it because of all the nefarious things were going on behind the scenes that were all rumored to be going on. And for a true freshman quarterback to stick in there, still play fairly well throughout the season, lead him to really an eight and four record overall uh, with all that adversity Tip your hat to Mikey Keene for having having a lot of uh, maturity to work his way through this. I think we think about the Dylan angle, and I, I get why we do that. But, I mean, if I had a cap on, I would tip it to Mikey Keene because he he clearly put up with a lot this year. And for a true freshman, that's pretty darn impressive. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, I think the thing that really multiplies the sour taste is the NIL stuff with, with DG, the brand, because people bought all this stuff, uh, you know, and, and they're buying this stuff because he plays for UCF, right? I mean, so uh, by and large, so yeah. so th- so that's that's probably what you know has really kind of kind of dug the nail into people a little bit as far as the right. But I think it's concerned. a bit. I think even I think a bigger part of that though is the 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 perception that he basically quit. Yeah, I mean, because Mackenzie Milton has his NIL deal. Nobody, you never heard anybody complain about that. Nobody's or Derek. I mean, I think if as long as you produce and you help your team and your good teammate and you leave it on the field, I think fans can understand it. They're okay with it. I think the thing that bothers people is the perception that he kind of checked out. Uh, That's the issue here uh, to me, because I think people I you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought he would be back. Uh, by the SMU game, or at least by the South Florida game. Uh, and obviously that our time episode that Adam alluded to was very, I think, eye-opening for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, and, and, and football, because especially with this team, that with all the injuries they have, and yet you don't play with your teammates. Forget the media and the fans, your own teammates, your own locker room. That's who you have to answer to. And I don't think it was an accident that not he didn't get a lot of feedback on his when he announced he was leaving. He didn't get a lot of former uh, players talking to him, or at least on social media. I think the key word here is investment, right? He asked us to invest in him, and now it looks like he didn't invest back in UCF. And I think that's where people are hurt, right? You you asked us to invest in you. You asked us to buy your socks, buy your air fresheners, you know, go to addition, addition financial, you know, credit union, get some Oakleys. You asked us to invest in you. And when it then turns out, you didn't invest in us. If he had been invested the entire season, he had had a clipboard next to Mikey Keene. If he had done some other things in the media, I think it would have softened the blow. But I think it's investment. He said, invest in me, guys. I'm your 
quarterback. And, uh, and then we find out that he didn't invest in us. I think that's where the hurt feelings come in. Yeah, of course, you know, and then, you know, and obviously people are going to do the comparison, you know, Mackenzie Milton, when, you know, when, when he decided to go to the transfer portal, everything was done ex- it, just superbly on his part on how he did that. And he even gave the team to Dylan. This is Dylan's team. So you, you look at that aspect and then you look how DG exits you know, yeah. you know, you, you talk about two wide contrasts. Well, and again, you have a dad who's talking to the Orlando Sentinel about why he's leaving instead of, you know, this is not the first UCF player that's entered the transfer portal that's left. But a lot of times they explain themselves on social media and that's it. And everybody's like, all right, well, that's bummer, you know, but, you know, to have your dad do the explaining, I mean, it's just. I don't know. It, 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 I think the athletes and the coaches, because look, coaches aren't guilt-free on this. I mean, good Lord, look at the the contracts that have, we've seen this week on college coaches. So let's not act like the, let's not act like coaches are victims here <laughs> and feel sorry for them either. Because they'll bolt too, yeah. uh, as we've learned uh, overnight. I think there's got to be some honesty or, or better communication from all parties. I think moving forward, and I'll give you an example. And I understand it's an Olympic sport, not as big of an audience, but in volleyball, Todd Dagen and UCF, they just won their fourth straight conference championship. They're going to the NCAA tournament in their last uh, home week. He basically announced that two of his seniors are going to transfer uh, for the play the COVID year because they want to get more playing time. They upfront about it. His two star players, McKenna Melvo and Amber Olson at the time, uh, was undecided. So they made that publicly clear. Now, since then, they've announced on Sunday night they'll be back for the extra year. But they were upfront about it. They were honest. They weren't trying to hide it. They weren't trying to, you know, hey, are you entering the portal? Like, I think you can learn something from that. I think a lot of the sports can learn from that. If you're going to enter the transfer portal, be honest. If you want to leave, be honest. And, I, and and have some communication on all parties. No hard feelings. I think we need more of that. Well, I think you mentioned Mackenzie Milton as the comparable to Dylan. I actually think the better comparable is Eric Gilliard, who played four games for UCF this year and then said, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to transfer. And at first, everyone was like, wait, what, why would you play four games, take reps from younger guys? Why would you do that? But Eric Gilliard left, and I'm not trying to compare him and Dylan because they're obviously way different players. But Eric Gilliard left, and we we're all like, okay. And he, we moved on, right? So there were some hurt feelings initially, but everybody moved on by all accounts it seems like dylan checked out earlier in the season and at that point he could have said hey you know what not for me i'm gonna leave but the perception now is he stayed for those extra months to move units move socks to move fanny packs to move air fresheners and if he had just said in october hey you know what i'm looking at the the offense didn't change from october to the game after the, the the saturday after black friday it did not change it was the same offense if it didn't fit in october it didn't fit in november it wasn't going to change so the only perception of why he stayed and why he didn't do an eric gilliard is because i want to move units and i think it's that disingenuous nature i used to quote on on the show this week, Eric, I think you will understand and appreciate. Uh, it's an old Pat Riley quote after LeBron left. And it was, he was tired of smiling faces with hidden agendas. Right. That's what Riley said about LeBron at the time. And that's kind of what I think a lot of people feel about Dylan. It was a smiling face with a hidden agenda. And I think that's what draws people the wrong way. Well, and then to expand on that LeBron point, that was because... I don't think, you know, he fits. It wasn't like, oh, you're mad that you're leaving. It's the way he left. People forget he made Pat Riley fly to Vegas to meet LeBron when LeBron has already made his decision that he was going to leave Miami and go to Cleveland. Why do you make Pat Riley come to you and come in person when you've already decided? You could have flown to him and told him. You could have done it via phone, whatever. And I think that's a great comparison here with Dylan. Not to say, look, people would have been upset if he would have announced in October he's leaving. 
But I think it would be a little di- – yeah, the tone is different. I think people feel uh, – I like he said, I think he's going to go down as one of the more disliked – like I don't think people are going to forget this. Like this is not yeah. – right? I mean I made this comparison. We did a live show on Banneret right after he announced it. I compared him to Joey Graham who played at UCF with the mm-hmm. Graham brothers. Yep. It was a tremendous talented player, just like Dylan's a talented player. They transferred to Oklahoma State. Their father bashed the program, saying that it's, you know they're better than this, they're above this. That's why the Graham brothers never get spoken of. Like you know, my colleague Jeff Sherrod, I remember it was when Taco Fall played in the playoffs. He wrote about he's the first UCF guy since Joey Graham to play in the playoffs, and he got backlash. And I told him I wouldn't have mentioned that because he Joey Graham is not brought up because of the reasons of that. And I think Dylan is in that same category. I think it's the fact that the perception he's given off that oh, I'm above this. I'm above this. That's what ticks people off. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, you, you also throw in that point, uh, too, that, you know, we had that little bit of a temper tantrum, uh, when Jeff Levy wasn't brought in as the coach, uh, you know, when he did all the, his, his little antics with social media. Um, so yeah, he has definitely, you know, taken the broad brush and, and, and made a bad picture. If you, if you really and, stepped into it. And the reality is, you know, this is going to happen if you're uh, whatever standing you're in. As soon as you leave, right, everyone starts talking, right? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And to Eric's point, there's been a lot of rumors. There hasn't been a lot of people refuting those rumors. There hasn't been a lot of people really standing up and saying, oh, hold on a second, right? I mean, uh, Jalen Robinson had a cryptic tweet, which could have been about anything, but essentially was like, man, y'all will believe anything you want. Could have been about anything, right? But you haven't had anybody really stand up and go, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. This isn't the kid that, that you guys think. I'm curious a sec. I don't know if either one of you two know. Um, I know, Eric, you're more of a star on that show. Um, our time. Is there going to be an episode this week? And is that going to be covered? Are they going to have cameras around? Because presumably they had this big talk on Saturday, right? I, I wonder if our time is going to capture any of this, if we're ever going to see this on, on film format uh, from the ESPN show. Well, I was surprised that, that even they even allowed – the last episode, those comments about how he was cleared and he was healthy and it was up to him. I was surprised that was even in, Yeah, to be honest with you. So I'm expecting they usually do a final episode, you know, yeah. to wrap up the season. Should, so I would, right? Now, whether that gets addressed or not, boy, wouldn't that be some television, right? I mean, you would think that that would be that would be something to talk about. I, I'm just as curious as you are. I don't know, uh, but I do appreciate the plug. Yes, our banner. It has been referenced on that show multiple times, but yes. we appreciate that. Uh, Andrew Glukoff with a sit down. I got to figure out how he got that. Seriously, he's big time, man. He's just yeah. big time. Yeah. yeah, no, great stuff. And, uh, and of course, you know, we we had some bad news this week. Uh, you know, the tragic death of uh, Otis Anderson um, in, in just it was really just a senseless situation uh, that has taken place and uh you know and i know i know uh adam you had you know the situation where you already had recorded your podcast for this week and you went back and did an insert beforehand to to address the the otis anderson story uh because it wasn't covered in your podcast due to the timing and whatnot and i know i know how you struggled for the words but you had really great words by the way um you know and, and it's hard to talk about these things i mean i struggle for for the words uh as as we speak now um in the you know and you look at the at this at this uh you know was a great young man you know a terrific football player you could tell he resonated with our fan base you know and, and the fan and, and the fans loved him he was great with the fans eric i'm sure you can attest that he was great with the media um you know just uh just just so sad and and so, and so tragic that that this has happened um you know, I, I 
want to kind of remember him on 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 some of the uh, the the good stuff, you know, uh, that, that we saw from him as a, as a football player. And when I think of him as a football player, there are three plays that, that enter my mind. The first one is the juke move at FAU. If uh, Bill Raftery were doing college football, that would have been, ooh, pick up the lingerie moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was just a, such a such an amazing move. Um, the other, I would say, was the, uh, the the big punt return for a touchdown against Pitt. I was at that game, and that was when UCF came storming back after getting down big early. And it was such a great momentum uh, play in that football game. And then the third, obviously, was in the AAC championship game with the touchdown pass. He flashes the two uh, as he uh, goes to the end zone. Uh, just some magical moments that he provided. And, and you know, and he was a, he was he was a, you know, a five tool player. You know, when yeah. you when you look at him on offense, uh, I'd like to hear your guys thoughts on uh, on remember notice. Yeah, I think those three are. I think you actually left two off, though. I think you left off the screen pass against the cows on Black Friday. Yes. Yeah, uh, and then he also had the screen pass in the Peach Bowl uh, to, to score a touchdown against Auburn. I think, you know, yeah. you could probably round out the top five. You know, here's the two things that really kind of struck me as, you know, you, you heard the news. And, and if it took me a while, I had to, you know, log off social media just to kind of understand and, and compress. And I logged back on and someone had started a thread of Otis pictures and the amount of pictures people posted of Otis with themselves, their kids, their families. I mean, there was like 10, 15, 20 pictures. And it made you stop to realize like this kid who is, uh, you know, is a freshman in college is a sophomore in college, right? He's a young kid doesn't have to stop and be gracious to all these families. There would probably be no expectation that he's got that savvy as an 18, 19, 20 year old, but the amount of pictures that people had with him, the amount of people that had photos with him smiling with their kids, with their family, was just I my, my mind was blown at how often that ha- that took place because I don't know how, how common that really is these days right the second thing somebody had posted this too and uh, and it kind of reflected me back um, somebody posted a screenshot of a direct message they had with Otis and it reminded me I went back to my DMs and throughout the the, the years he was at UCF I would DM hey great game this week hey great job yada yada and he always responded back he had no obligation to respond back to me I wasn't anybody important to him but he always responded back to me always had a response and then the messages that we had before he came on the show we mike and i had him on the podcast for an interview the messages before and after the show of him coming on you know hey give me a call whenever you need me hey let's do it again sometime again he did not have to be gracious you guys know that you you guys book guests all the time you book college kids sometimes you get a thumbs up emoji and you're just hoping they're going to call the time you ask them to call right otis had a full-on conversation with me and that even continued after he left ucf and if i'm if i'm seeing it and other people have their dms doing it i'm going to tell you that he probably did that for a lot of fans as well so i think just the way that he understood where he was that he connected with fans at ucf his play on the field was one thing to your point jeff and it was phenomenal i think the connection that he went out of his way to make with with folks who cared about UCF was quite another thing. And that's probably the thing I'll remember the most about him is going through those DMs and he didn't have to respond to me all these years. And he always did. And he was always accommodating. And I think that just showed how much he cared about the people who cared about him. I agree. Uh, Brian Murphy, obviously, you know, worked for this at the Bannerette. He's doing now work at MLB.com. He covered him every day. He came back. He wrote for us. That was a great uh, this piece, week. by the way. That was a great piece. R- great piece. And uh, full disclosure, our episode's going to come out later this week because, I mean, Tuesday was a tough day. I mean, I woke up and it was Brandon, Brandon Helwig, who sent me the message. And I'm like, why is Brandon sending me a message this early? And it was about Otis. And I was in shock. And I, and I still can't comprehend what happened. Uh, so it took me a little while and we've kind of tried to figure out what we want to do. And, you know, we're going to have Brian on the show to talk about it. But the thing is, 
I talked to him a few times covering the games. Guy loves talking football. He loves talking about people. And the thing that stood out to me, I remember I asked about because he had his unique position. He could play at the lineup at whiteout and at running back. So I asked him, you know, he's had two different meetings, but he enjoyed it because he liked hanging out with people. And he said the bond, the thing he enjoyed the most was bonding with him, going to like movies together, going out to bowling together. And I think all the teammates would say the same thing. He was like a glue guy. Like he was that guy, like, you know, if he needed to crack a joke, that he would crack the joke. But if he needed to be serious, he would be. He was not shy. He would share his thoughts on the post game. You'd be at times where like, whoa, I didn't expect him. That that's a pretty strong comment. Remember, I think there was the pit, one of the losses where he's like, that's not acceptable. And I think that's where he connected with the fans, right? And you know, and I always said he was one of the few that can connect on the field. When he does that two sign, I think everybody feels like, oh, he's looking at me. He's looking at me. And Brian even wrote, outside of Mackenzie Milton, you can make the argument. No one has provided more memorable moments and highlights than Otis. And, you know, as tragic it is to lose him at just a young age at 23 years old, the one positive, if there is any positive, is he's made a big impact at such a young, short time. There are people like they'll live 60, 70, 80 years that will never come close to making the impact that he did at his short time here. And uh, he's always going to be a part of that UCF brand and the program and the 2017 team. And uh, I think he's don't go, don't go down as one of the more popular UCF players. Yeah, and uh, amazing tribute on the field too, uh, uh, with with the with the players, uh, uh, with the the jersey of the chair and the and the flowers at the two yard line. Uh, you know, just again, this is a such a sad story, but you know. To your point, Eric, you know, he's a he's a guy that brought a lot of people joy, uh, both on and off the football field. So uh, and that's great. And Adam, that was a great re- reflection of the fact that, you know, uh, you, you just don't hear of guys uh, uh, responding to people like that on, on DMs uh, uh, on a regular basis. That's really a regular cool. guy. He's a yeah. regular guy. He's a regular guy. And that's what stings here. It's not just he's an athlete. He's an alum of UCF. He was a, you know, teachers, professors are affected probably that taught him student athlete, you know, fellow student athletes that I've seen from other sports affected by it. He had that kind of impact on people. And I'll, uh, yeah. and I'll say this too quickly at that point, Eric, I, I live in Jacksonville. Now he went to high school here in Jacksonville. He's from oh, Jacksonville yeah. and it's, it's the lead story. And on, on the news, it's a lead story. I mean, you've got coaches from his high school being interviewed on the news, people who knew him. So it, the community, even here in Jacksonville, I mean, obviously we know him from the UCF days, but there's a community here hurting too, because he was a part of that family too, in the high school area. Um, and it's, it's been one of the big, more major stories here in the local area too. So his impact obviously was felt, you know, beyond UCF, but even, you know, here in his hometown, um, it, a lot of people are, are hurting, um, and a lot of the news is covering that pretty pretty heavily. You can tell the impact he had on a lot of people. Yeah. Well, thank you both for sharing and uh, being, being providing some great insight uh, on that as well. So uh, we've come to the end of the show. So uh, that means it's a shameless plug time uh, for your endeavors. Uh, Adam, lead us off. All right, Sons of UCF podcast. If you like the audio style in your life, uh, myself, UCF Mike, that comes out usually on Tuesdays. If you're more of a video person, we got you covered. Thursdays, 8 p.m. live, uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We bring in Trace Trelko to uh, to up the beefcake factor. Uh, so Trace Trelko joins us every Thursday night, 8 p.m. And uh, you can catch us live. And the replay will also be in your podcast feed as well. Eric. We uh, check us out blackandgoldbanneret.com. We have a weekly podcast. We'll be coming out later this week, a little later than normal, but obviously uh, uh, we're going to tribute that episode to Otis. 
uh, as well. We can obviously always follow us and uh, like us on Facebook and on Twitter, as well as on our YouTube page. We do some night shifts, which Adam has been a guest on in the previous episodes in the past. We go on live after football games or if there's breaking news like the Dylan Gabriel deal uh, we were on. We have a great staff. And uh, that's checking us out there. And, of course, follow me at Eric Lopez Elo. UCF softball schedule has uh, come out as of Wednesday night. So I, I had shared my thoughts on that as well on Twitter. So, yes. so before you know it, it's that time of year, boys. That's right. The voice of uh, UCF 15th softball. 15th year. 15 wow. years is coming up. You believe yeah. that? Yeah, that's Crazy. awesome. And, of course, we're looking forward to your calls uh, once again when the, when the season gets underway. Adam and Eric, as always, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. Thanks, Jeff. And we'll be right back to close out with the TV theme right after this. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and Company in the morning, join me 9 to noon. Weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com because class is always in session around here. Virus or no virus. We don't often do repeats on the TV theme, but uh, I just felt obliged, or maybe you'll call me lazy, (laughs) obliged, thank you, that uh, I went with Nash Bridges, because uh, USA Network just had the Nash Bridges reboot movie on this past weekend, which of course I recorded, and I've watched back already, because I was a big fan of of the CBS hit in the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, Don Johnson, Don Johnson, and Cheech Marin, Cheech on pot. Imagine that. <laughs> He's selling weed. Who'd have thunk it? But uh, you know those guys are great together. And uh, again, Nash Bridges with a little newer twist as they have to use some of their old school methods and uh, try to exist in the changed climate of of 2021 but uh yeah check that movie out uh, i'm sure usa will have re-airings and you can also catch it on peacock nash bridges our tv theme for this week and with that we are done here thanks for listening to jeff allen sports talk follow jeff on twitter at jeff allen underscore 88 on facebook at jeff allen 88 and the website jeff allen sports and you can reach out to the show anytime by email jeff allen sports talk at gmail.com jeff allen sports talk is brought to you exclusively by kramer's salve for dogs does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Self is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.